Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Good morning. You know, Advent seems like it started late this year, doesn't it? Uh, Because I think Thanksgiving was a little bit early, and so, you know, it feels like we're just at the beginning of it. You know what, I thought just just to be a good pastor, you know, since we're feeling like at the beginning of Advent here, I just wanna, I just wanted to make you aware that there are exactly 16 shopping days left until Christmas Day. So just 16. Yeah, I mean, we are into it, aren't we? And so I hope you've started on that and, and include that. This is a season for giving. Um, um, you know, so and then don't forget about your, I, I know you're not forgetting about this, but your family Christmas celebration. you got to figure out where that's going to be and who's bringing what and, you know, what the menu's going to be and all, all that kind of stuff. And don't, and don't forget about the calendar, uh, December 24th. You're going to be here at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. So you want to make sure you have that on, on your calendar. And oh, oh, uh, don't forget about those Christmas movies. You know, what is Christmas without It's a Wonderful Life and the Santa Claus and Elf three times? I mean, come on, that's at, that's at least 10 hours of Christmas movie watching that you have to work in within the next 16 days. And that's just the extras, right? I mean, life is continuing to go on. I mean, it continues at work and school and church. I mean, we even have an extra service here for Christmas Eve, which is at what time? 5 p.m., good, see, yeah, right? And the school, I think it's uh, something, somebody said something about finals. I mean, we're even giving gifts to kids, taking finals, you know, because it's so hard. And, and year-end projects at work. I mean, this is the hustle and bustle of one of the busiest times of our year, isn't it? Is anybody interested in the gift of peace today? I hope so, because we're going to talk about that. Let's read uh, Matthew. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 1. Verses 18 to 25. We're going to look at Joseph today to help us open up the gift of peace. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
We're going to work our way through that Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25, um, this morning, looking at Joseph. Have you ever received one of those Christmas gifts that, you know, you, you opened it up and you went in the back of your mind, why would anybody really want this? You know, but then as, as, you know, you experienced the gift, you were like, man, this thing is, this is awesome. Now, Casey and Carl um, have been kind of good at giving me some gifts like that over the last few years. Um, a couple years ago, it was maple bacon flavored coffee. Yeah, who knew I would want to not live without that? Uh, then it was jalapeno white cheddar peanuts. Yeah, that one has a little bit better ring to it, and it was just as tasty as that. So uh, just this past week, she gave me a chocolate bar called Pigs and Taters, chocolate bar with potato chips and bacon bits in it. Again, a little, you know, more tempting, but still, you know, kind of like, hmm. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you get this gift. Like when you're a kid and, you know, you got this big box and you rip it open and it's a sweater. You, you know, you know that feeling? That's what I'm talking about. And then you wear it and it's warm and you're like, well, you ever gotten a gift like that? You know, something you went, ah, I'm not sure I want this. And then you tried it on or tasted it or played it or whatever. And you were like, yes, this is awesome. I think that's a little bit like we approach the gift of peace. You know, I mean, peace Peace is kind of boring. Peace is kind of temporary. Kind of would rather have joy, if you ask me. I mean, at least you get to laugh, you know. I mean, even a little love, hope, peace. It's kind of on the bottom of the Advent gift list. In our minds. I mean, it's nice to have, but not all that necessary. So that's kind of how it's going to go with the gift of peace. You know, we're going to open it up this morning, and we may not be all that excited about talking about peace, but you know what? If we get just a little taste of it, we are going to want more of it. Now, the kind of peace we're talking about here isn't the kind of peace that the world gives. Um, You know, that's the kind of peace you get on the outside of us. That kind of peace is easy. To find. I mean, just go home, uh, sit in the living room with the Christmas tree on, you know, clear the calendar, turn off all the screens and sit there and you will experience some peace. But as soon as you turn the world back on, that peace is going to disappear. And so we're not talking about that kind of peace. The angels showed up in the night sky for those shepherds and they had a message of peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. How is that possible? It's all possible because of the gift of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He's called that because of of the way he gives it to us and the impact that it has on our lives. We have this movie at home. It's an animated movie. It's on VHS, if you remember what those things are. We hardly can watch them anymore. Uh, But the kids used to watch this movie, and it's called The Lion and the Lamb. And it's about these two adult children that go home for Christmas, and it's Christmas Eve, and it's snowing outside, and they're reminiscing about their childhood memories. And they go outside to their barn, and they take care of the animals. And while they're on their way out there, the girl's saying, you know, you remember that Christmas when we, that, that sheep of ours had that baby lamb? And, and the, the mama had trouble, and she died, and I jumped in to take care of it. 
Uh, well, while that was going on, another place in the town, a circus truck was in an accident, and a lion got loose. And so the lion made his way to their barn, and when he went, when he went in there, the cows go nuts, you know, they're going crazy in there, and so the kids are inside, and they're like, what's going on in the barn? Let's, we better go check. So they walk out to the barn, and as soon as they walk into the barn, they, they come into this deep sense of peace that's come over all the animals. And so they walk to the back stall to check on the lamb, and there they find the lion laying down with the lamb. It's a, it's a cute story that always reminds me of the kind of peace that comes uh, with Christmas because of the Prince of Peace. The kind of peace described in Isaiah 11, verse 6. It says, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child shall lead them. Well, Jesus is the little child. And uh, he is the one who stops our striving. He is the one who overcomes our anxiety and stress. The things that goes on inside our soul. He is the one who can bring the peace that passes all understanding. And so Joseph is going to show us some ways so that we can open up this gift of peace. First thing he shows us is to uh, reject our reactions. There's, um, people generally have two kinds of reactions to conflict. Uh, one is uh, flight, they run away, or the other is they fight. You ever heard of that? Flight or fight. And, and Joseph, he shows us that, uh, that we need to reject these reactions in our life if we're going to find peace. See, uh, verse 18 he starts off, he, he gets word here that his fiancée is pregnant. Now remember that the way marriages were done back in the Jewish culture, um, a man and wife would come together under the eyes of the law as a married couple, but they wouldn't live together for a year. And so during that year, the, the husband would be preparing his home to bring his wife there. And his wife would be learning the responsibilities and duties of a Jewish wife. And so Mary would still be living with her parents when this news hit, hit Joseph. And Joseph would be at home getting things ready for her to come home. So if you think about Joseph and, and what's going on in his life, I mean, he's married and he's looking forward to a day when his wife's going to come home. And what do you think he's doing? I mean, he's dreaming. He's dreaming about what life's going to be like with Mary. You know, looking forward to that with lots of excitement. He'd be a little excited. I mean, Mary was, was something special. I mean, he was probably thinking that God was blessing him, that he brought them together. Until he gets this news. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. So putting yourself in Joseph's shoes, you're, you don't know how long we are into the year, but we're dreaming about life with my new bride. And she's turned out to not be what I thought she was. Um, so this bombshell's been dropped, and he's going to be hurt. He's going to be angry. He's going to feel betrayed. Now we don't know at this point in verse 18... Um, we don't know how he found out about the news, but most likely Mary's the one who came and told him, hey, I had a messenger from God. I'm going to be pregnant or I am pregnant and this child's from God. And so Joseph feeling all these feelings, you know, it, it'd be a normal thing for for a, a man to feel. I mean, all of his dreams about his family dashed to pieces, all of them gone. 
What's his reaction? He tries to run. It's flight. Text says Joseph was a good man, didn't want to divorce Mary uh, publicly, so he tried to do it privately. He resolved to do it privately. Um, so he's getting out. He's running away. Her story, just too much to believe. I mean, everyone knows how you get pregnant, right? Well, when our world turns upside down, it is, it is good for us to be able to recognize our reactions to things. You know, do we run away? Do we run away from people? Do we run, run away from God? Do we, do we run away from situations? Or do we go the other direction and we start fighting everybody? You know, fighting people, fighting God, fighting just mad at everything that's going on. You know, there's no better way to um, contribute to the unrest in your life than to let your reactions get the better of you when it comes to all this uh, unrest. Now, one of the places we can have an immediate impact on the peace in our hearts is by pursuing peace with other people. You know, pursue, pursue peace with other people. So when there's somebody in your life, you know, that, that something has happened, you know, there's been words said, there's been something done, something has hurt and you're wounded and you're mad. You know, you know what I'm talking about? So there's something going on and, and that one person can cause you to lose sleep. And as you have conversations in your head about this, about what's happened. I mean, you can go home, you can, uh, turn all the lights down in the living room, sit with the Christmas tree and you're, you can be in a very quiet, peaceful place, but inside your soul can be the noisiest place on earth because of this one person. Avoiding them is not going to work. The only thing that can bring peace is to work out the conflict, is to, is to address it. I mean, you could stay away from them for a long time. Um, you might see them. It'll be polite conversation here and there, but, but you're pretty much avoiding this person. You're kind of dreading seeing them. And, and so it's not a real relationship. You're running. But that conflict is going to stay until it gets dealt with. And getting it out in the open is the only way to do that. Romans 12, 18 uh, says, if, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So that verse places a responsibility on all believers to live the way of peace with people, with, with everybody. And so fighting won't help you live that verse. And, and running won't help you live that verse. You've got to reject those reactions and do things that are intentional because you won't want to do them. Do things that are intentional so that that peace can be possible in your life. So what does that look like? What do we do? Joseph shows us where to start. So after he rejects this, his reaction to run away, he overlooks the offense against him. And that, you know, that he got from, from Mary. So he's feeling betrayed, feeling like she's done that to him. And so for him to reconcile with her, he had to forgive all that. He had to forgive the hurt and the betrayal and the pain that she's caused in his life. You know, much of the tension between people could be resolved if we would practice Joseph's initial response to conflict. Reject the runaway and overlook the offense. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So overlooking an offense is, is where we start. And many times you can do that without ever talking to somebody. 
you know, without ever, without ever bringing it up. And peace comes in your heart and you, you let it go and it doesn't have a hold of you anymore. That's, wh- that's where we give this offense to God. We trust Him with it. We tell Him what happened. Tell Him, this hurt me. You know, this, this happened, this person did this to me, this person said this to me, but you're giving all that to Him. And, and trusting him to take care of all of that. And when you do that, what happens inside of you is you are freed. You're freed from resentment. You're freed from, from bitterness. You're free from the pain. Overlooking an offense. You know what happens when you do that? Peace. For instance, uh, last week, if you were here on Sunday morning, you heard about a little tension on the pastoral staff about the kind of Christmas trees that we prefer to celebrate with in our home. And so what did I do after this message? I, I went home and I chose to overlook the offense that my Christmas tree was called a fake. I chose not to come and argue about it, that, you know... Uh, Having a live Christmas tree in your home is all quaint and everything, but you really have to destroy God's creation to have one. Uh, And once you do that, it is no longer helping the environment by providing rain for all of us. Not to mention the bad stewardship of every single year having to buy a brand new tree that ends up in the garbage a few weeks later. No, no, no. No fighting. No fleeing necessary. All due to me overlooking the offense, I am very happy with my artificial tree. Especially now that I know it's helping the environment. I have given Pastor Shane the freedom to keep Christmas in his own way. And I will continue to keep it in mine. Overlooking the offense. Now it is not always that easy. Uh, I'm sure that you know that it is it is not always easy to give your tears to God, your pain, what's been done to you, to not look for revenge, but that is where forgiveness starts. It starts in here. See, before things can get right out here horizontally, they need to get right this way, vertically, because this is the way that brings peace in here. So before, before you can have peace out here with each other, there needs to be peace this way with God. God is in charge of conflict. And he uses it in a big way in our lives to change us. So once you're able to do this, once you're able to overlook an offense and, and have this vertical forgiveness, how do you know when you got that? Because you got peace. Once you're able to do that, then you have a responsibility to go and pursue reconciliation, that horizontal peace. And that's a, that's an altogether different matter. Um, see, when you've got this, and you've got peace in here because you've given it to God, then you don't need anything from this other person that hurt you. You don't need to hear them say, I am so sorry that I did that, or that even that I did do this. You know, or, you know, any of that. You don't need anything from them. You are free to make peace with them without them doing anything. Now, the thing is, conflict always has two sides, right? Lori and I like to say there's two sides to every pancake. 
You know, so, um, so what that means is to, to get to reconciliation between people in a, in a conflict, it's going to take two willing, humble hearts to be able to get there. And that doesn't always happen. To get to true reconciliation, there has to be a resolution to the conflict. And to get to a resolution of the conflict, there has to be a, rec- a recognition of what was, what was, what happened, what went wrong. And so it starts with recognition, getting honest about your part and what's happened. And that moves then to resolution. Hey, how do we work through this? And then that leads to true reconciliation. That does not always happen. That's why Romans twelve eighteen says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace, pursue peace with everyone. So if you are doing what God would want you to do, in these situations that you might have in your life where there's conflict, that's all you can do. And then you've got to trust him uh, for the outcome. Peace is going to come in here. Reconciliation may not come out here. But we still have to pursue it. That's what God calls us to do. It doesn't happen all too often. It's a sad ending. But you know what? There's also happy endings. Uh, really happy endings. A few years ago... I was in a men's group and we were, uh, we were on a quest to uh, pursue authentic manhood. And one of the discussions that we were having was about the unique relationship between a man and his mom. And while we were having this talk, one of the guys in the group said, you know, I, I just don't have anything to do with my mom. I don't have a relationship with her at all. And so I challenged him. I said, well, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> and uh, then I offered, you know, to help him in any way. That I could. Well, the story goes, when he was in his teenage years, he caught his mom having an affair with another man. And so when it all came out, um, his mom divorced his dad and then went and married this guy. And she was just estranged from their family. So fast forward about 10 years to where we are today. This guy now has a couple kids. His mom's not involved in his life at all. And they've got this rift between them. He's run away from it. But the conflict's still there. And so I, I challenged him. I said, well, I, uh, I think you should write your mom a letter. But don't send it to her in the mail. You want to go to her and give it to her in person and then have her read it while you're with her. So this guy, he manned up. And he followed through with what we had discussed. He wrote this letter, which gave him a lot of vertical forgiveness with what happened with his mom. And then he obediently went and met her at a restaurant. And in the middle of a restaurant, she read that letter. And there were hugs, and there were tears, and there was forgiveness, and there was reconciliation. This guy got vertical forgiveness because of that letter, and he got horizontal forgiveness because of his obedience, and his kids got a grandma. That's a happy ending. That's possible. If we'll go through with what God has shown us to do in his word. I read an interesting quote. Peace is not made with friends. Peace is made with enemies. Do you have any enemies in your life that you need to work at pursuing peace with? Anybody that you should reach out to? I can promise you this. You work on this vertical forgiveness with them first, and peace is going to come in here. 
And I promise you this, you work on this horizontal forgiveness with them, peace may come with them. But guaranteed, it's possible if you'll follow through. So reject your reactions, fight or flight, and pursue peace as far as you are able. Now, being at odds with people isn't just the only place that uh, takes peace from our life. We also can get at odds with God. Now, it seems kind of crazy uh, to think about arguing with God or running from God, fighting, fighting with him. But, but that's what happens. That's what, that's what we do. Uh, when he's told us one thing and then we go and, and do another. So if we want to open this gift of peace, we're going to have to accept God's directions. And that's exactly what Joseph did in these verses, verses 22 to 23. So after he planned his escape, God breaks into his sleep with a dream, sending an angel, saying, hey, it's okay for you to take Mary home as your wife. You know, she's going to have a boy. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You need to call him Jesus. Because he's going to save people from their sins. He's going to be the savior. Now I've always marveled at Joseph's faith. You know he woke up and you know the text sounds like he pretty well quickly did what the angel told him to do in the dream. He acts in this selfless way. He accepted God's directions for his life. So he believed in this miracle and then he obeyed what the angel told him to do. I mean, if you think about it, he did have a choice. He could have woke up and go, (laughs) I ate something bad for dinner. You know, that was just a dream. And then he could go on with his plan to run away. And what what would his life have been like? You know, maybe he'd run away from Mary. Maybe get away from the scandal. Man, that sounds pretty good. Let's get away from all these people that caused me trouble. I'll just go to a new place. I'll start my business over somewhere else. But would that bring peace? There's no way he would be able to get away from what God had asked him to do. He would know he would be disobeying his heavenly father. So he would have no peace. Now accepting these directions, accepting God's directions, it can be hard because it always requires faith. It requires us to believe. Believe that God knows what he's doing. Believe that God loves us more than We can imagine or can experience, believe that wherever God leads us, he's going to be with us and help us get through whatever we have to face. I mean, he asked Mary, you know, when he told, he said, hey, you believe you're going to get pregnant and and uh, and without ever being with a man, that's what you need to believe. And, And he asked Joseph to believe that that was true, that that miracle happened. So there's there's direction there. And so um when we get directions from God, it's going to be similar to that in some way. You know, there's going to be a walk by faith component. Listen again to uh, verses 22 to 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. <clears throat> so what does that tell us? It tells us that God has a plan. And he's been... Working that plan. And, and he's even working that plan right now today. And, and we as his followers have a part to play in that plan. Um, but the problem is we have the ability to come up with our own plans. And sometimes they don't coincide with what God wants us to do. So accepting his directions for our life starts with just submitting to his leadership. Trusting that his word is the best way for us to live our lives. To have life with him. And then following where he leads. 
A funny thing is about God's directions. He never tells you like the whole story. <laughs> you just get like the next step, you know, in life. He never, he never tells you, you know, like with Mary, it was like, hey, believe you're going to have a baby and go see Elizabeth. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't say anything about Joseph. You know, he didn't tell her. You just said, hey, here, do, believe this and then go see Elizabeth. That there's confirmation there for what I told you that is going to be true. I mean, he, he told Joseph, hey, hey, here's what's going to happen. He's going to tell, tell her, tell him about Jesus and, and told him to continue with his marriage, but he didn't get the whole picture. He didn't get Bethlehem. He didn't get, you know, all this that was going to happen. That, and that's how it, how it works. We're on a need to know basis with God and that keeps us on a need to believe basis with God. And when we can live our lives in that, following his directions, walking by faith, you know what we're going to have? Peace. We have peace. God has given us a bunch of directions in here. Basic, basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible. That's what he's given us. He's given a bunch of instructions, a way to live our lives. Now, one of those instructions has to do with marriage. And I was thinking about that. You know, getting married <clears throat> can be a really difficult decision, you know, really hard decision. I mean, it requires faith. To make a lifelong commitment to another person. And so a lot of people um, decide to move in together uh, before they get married to see if it's going to work. Uh, so, you know, you can sort of see the wisdom in that. You know, try it on before you buy it. You know, this man's wisdom there. Problem is, that's not the way the Lord's drawn it up for us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his girlfriend. No. Wife. Cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So you think, well, that's in Genesis, you know. Who can believe what's in Genesis? But Jesus quotes that verse in teaching about marriage. And Paul brings up that verse when instructing husband and wife. You know, that verse, marriage, God invented it. He came up with the idea. It is the fundamental structure for how we're to build families and societies. It's how he's drawn it up. Those are his directions. Well, why? I mean, it sure seems to make other you know, sense to do whatever we want. Why is this marriage thing such a big deal? Well, because the the kind of one flesh relationship that comes from le- uh, from leaving and cleaving <clears throat> is meant to be founded on a promise of commitment, a covenant before God, and a spiritual union. Now, lots of people ignore that. They ignore God's way, thinking their way is the best way. But interestingly, cleaving with a handshake commitment does not bring peace to your heart. Check this out. There was a study done um, using an MRI to examine brain functioning of two different sets of women, some that were cohabitating, some that were married. And they wanted to watch their brains, what, what, what happened in their brains when they were under stress. And so the researchers were giving these women, while they were looking at their brains, an electric shock on their ankle. And so they were all given three choices. You can hold the hand of your spouse or partner, 
or you can hold the hand of a stranger, or you can do this alone. Okay, and so while they were doing this, what they noticed was for the women that held their spouse's hand, the, the, the ones that were married, they registered this deep sense of calm in the hypothalamus area of their brain while they were getting ready to have that shock. But the cohabitating women, when they looked at their brains while they were getting ready to have that, have that shock, holding onto their live-in partner's hand, there was almost no calm registering in the hypothalamus area of the brain. In fact, they looked exactly like the women who were holding the hand of a stranger. And so the researchers concluded that even though these women say we have commitment for those that are just living with their partner, There's no peace. There's doubt that's residing inside of them. You know, God knows what he's doing. (laughs) He knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for us and he's given us directions for living. And if we're going to go our own way, I can assure you of this. God is going to disturb your peace. He's going to break in to your dreams. He's going to do whatever he's got to do. Traffic, craziness, chaos, to get your attention. To say, come, follow me. He will do that. Today, right now. You can come under his leadership. You can say, God, I'm going to believe that this book tells me how to live the way you want me to live. That actually this is the best way to live, no matter what other people say, no matter what latest diet there is on Facebook, no matter what latest investment scheme there is. This is my financial manual. This is my marriage manual. This is my career manual. This is my retirement manual. This is life. And I'm going to trust it. And I'm telling you this morning, if you would do that, you know what you're going to get? Peace. You'll get peace. So Joseph shows us another, one more way, one more way to open this up. And that's to become a peacemaker. So if you look at what he did, he got up from his dream. He took Mary home to be his wife. Uh, what, What happened in Mary's life when that happened? Well, he brought peace into her life. He was a peacemaker for her. Joseph did what only Joseph could do. Nobody else could do it. Only Joseph could do it. And Joseph brought Mary, Joseph did for Mary what she could not do for herself. So he made things right. He created a family by faith. He rescued Mary from public disgrace and possible death. Only Joseph could do that. Joseph was a peacemaker for Mary. You know, he was just following in our Savior's footsteps. Jesus is a peacemaker. The Prince of of Peace did what only he could do to bring peace into our lives. The difference is, he doesn't just bring peace on the outside. He brings peace on the inside. You see, our sins cause offense To God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he does not hear. So God's creation has rebelled. It's rebelled against him. It's gone their own way. 
It's following their own wisdom. And all of that causes offense. But God had a plan. A plan to be able to restore this relationship. A plan to bring peace between us and him. And that plan started or was put into action at the first Christmas. And it was completed at the first Easter with about 33 years in between there. God sent his son who lived our life but did it without sin. The incredible God-man. And we see so much of God in him, you know, showing us how about our Heavenly Father. That man, that God-man, went to that cross for my sins. He died my death. All so that we could have peace with God. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. So when we place our trust in Jesus Christ uh, for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, we're saying that he is the only one that could do that. He's the only one that can make peace between us and God. That his death on that cross should have been my death. That his blood poured out brings forgiveness of my sins. We're believing those things. You know what happens when you believe those things? When you're clinging to them with your whole life? You know what happens? Peace. Peace. Peace with God. Jesus is a peacemaker. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know, people who don't know Jesus can't speak for him. People um, who don't know him, who haven't experienced his peace, can't be peacemakers. They can't do it. They can't bring the peace of Christmas alive. Only people that know him can do that. Only people that trust him. People have trusted in this Prince of Peace who have tasted it. We have peace with God through faith in Christ and what he's done. We understand that the greatest enemy of peace in the world is sin. We are the ones who have been given this task of reconciling people to God. You ever think yourself that? You are Jesus' representatives at work, at school, at the supermarket. You're representing Christ. And we can speak for him when we say, come back to God. That's how you become a peacemaker. CNN had a story on their website about a guy named James Harden. He was a master mason who found a unique calling building bridges in Kenya. Uh, One of the men that helps him, his name's David Kukuko, whose parents drowned in a flash flood in a river because there wasn't a safe way to cross. Uh, Kukuko says, uh, before the bridge, there were so many people, so many who lost their lives. I know because I have no parents. I have no parents because the river took them. 
And so motivated by the, uh, his desire to follow Christ's call on his life, Harmon Parker went to Kenya and began to build bridges in places that bigger organizations wouldn't go. And so they're simply designed, he's using local materials, he's using local labor, they cost about $6,000, average 125 feet long. And he's got this huge ministry. He says this, I, I have built many bridges in very remote areas for the few and the needy. Knowing each bridge will probably save at least one life is what makes me tick. I build bridges because I want to save lives, lives that I will never know about. And he's paid this incredible price to be able to do this. He's been separated from his family for long, long periods of time. He's been robbed at gunpoint. He's come down with serious illnesses that you know you can get in, in Kenya. But he says, I feel blessed. I feel blessed, privileged to do what I'm doing. A bridge is a beautiful metaphor for many things. There are bridges of hope, bridges of peace, bridges of life. Bridges are beautiful. Well, Herman was a master mason who found a way to save lives building bridges. We are followers of a master who's called us to the work of building bridges back to God to save lives for eternity. The price that we pay to do that may be kind of steep. We might lose a friend we might lose a job we might lose a client we might get laughed at we might be mocked we might be rejected but you know the price that we pay to do that is nothing compared to the reward that we have of building bridges back to god pointing people to the way the truth and the life we get some peace Let's have our worship team come back up. I want to encourage you this morning to follow in Joseph's footsteps. You know, if there's there's somebody there in, in, in the on the radar that's you know there's a conflict there, start with some vertical work, vertical forgiveness, given the hurt, given the tears, given the pain to God. Trust him with it. Start there and then obey and follow and pursue peace with that other person. Uh, maybe you're struggling to follow God's directions for your life in some area of, of your life. So I tell you this. Go back and read it again. Understand what he's calling you to do. And then commit to walking in that way, knowing he's going to be beside you, helping you all along the way. And then as you think about somebody in your life who needs to know the Prince of Peace... You know, this is a great season to be able to introduce him uh, to them. Uh, begin to pray about how to build a bridge back to God for them. And you know what? I'll partner with you on that. And on December 24th, we'll build some bridges right here, 5 p.m. Take the invitations home with you. Pray about who you can give it to. And let's fill this place up on Christmas Eve and share the hope we have in the gospel. All right, let's stand. Let's pray together. Father, we want to just thank you for Jesus. The gift that we celebrate that means so much to us. As, as we've looked at this gift of peace and 
how important it is in our life to have that with you. That means everything. And so we want to open that up today, get a better look at it, taste more of it, experience more of it in our life. I do pray your Holy Spirit would guide those who heard your voice today to do something from what what they've heard. Give them the strength to follow through. Give them the courage to do that. Walk with them, Lord. Bring peace to our hearts today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.